0: I'm Connor Lennon, and you're listening to The Lid Is On, the flagship podcast from UN News. This week, we're focusing on the opioid epidemic, the subject of a panel discussion organised by the UN Office on Drugs and Crime in late January. In their latest World Drug Report, the non medical use of prescription drugs was found to be a major threat to public health and law enforcement worldwide. Opioids are by far the most dangerous of these drugs, accounting for over three-quarters of deaths associated with drug misuse. Speaking at the event, Nora Volkow, director of the US National Institute on Drug Abuse, said that the criminalization of addiction is contributing to the crisis and called for the drug problem to be seen from the perspective of the health system. Two of the panellists... David Sheff and Vicky Cornell have first-hand experience of dealing with the fallout from drug addiction and are now prominent activists, raising awareness about the deficiencies in the health system that they believe are hindering the fight against the crisis and the importance of removing the stigma surrounding addiction. David Scherf's memoir about his son's addiction has been turned into a major Hollywood movie starring Steve Carell and Timothée Chalamet. And Vicky Cornell was married to the late musician Chris Cornell, best known as the lead singer of Soundgarden and Audioslave. She's attributed his suicide to prescription drugs that altered his mental state. After the panel discussion, David and Vicky came into our studios and I began by asking them what they had wanted to achieve by coming to UNHQ.
1: It's really all about having a conversation about something that people don't want to talk about. I mean, you know, addiction is pervasive, um, uh, as you s- pointed out, Vicky. Today, there was a, there's 21 million people, and probably a lot more, just in the U.S. Uh, who are suffering this, and yet, because of the stigma, they are often suffering in silence. And we're not going to be able to uh, solve this uh, until we start talking about it. And so, it's really um, gratifying, and we're also, I think, very grateful that the UN. Is taking on this issue
2: absolutely and especially since um, it hit home just like David Um, we lost um, I lost my husband my children lost their father and it's time that this disease comes out of the shadows it's time that it becomes a world health issue and I'm just so grateful that the UN is stepping up and and facing this challenge
1: you and people like you are really my heroes because i meet so many people who've lost someone they love their husband their wife their parents their children um, and have determined to just devote their lives to educating and to trying to support other people so that other people won't have to bury their loved ones so i really am grateful and you're a hero to
0: me
2: well thank you you too because to go through what you've been through and to keep telling the story and trying to educate um, the public um, is just, it's nice to see. Like I said, I, I started reading your stuff, and I thought, oh, there's a person who understands. He gets it. Um, and again, I think that that's the big problem is, is the stigma around addiction. And then I was saying this earlier, that I mean, my husband was a rock star. No one would expect that the reaction to a rock star who suffered from with um, a substance use disorder would be stop calling him a junkie. And I think that that's, that tells it all, right? It's just like, it could be depression because that, you know, he would have no control over. But this must be a choice and I'm demonized for saying, calling their beloved um, hero a, a junkie. And my husband was far from being a junkie. He was not a junkie, but he did have a substance use disorder and, um, and yeah, I, I made a vow that you know, it, I would not allow his death to go in vain. And um, it'd be a lot easier to dodge the stigma and just chalk it up to being depression. But um, I also have, it wouldn't be the truth, and um, we have children who are 50% their daddy and I will do whatever it takes for them and for others to never have to feel this pain Um, as much as I can do, I hope. Um, Now meeting people like you and also having the support of the UN and such wonderful people like Dr. Volkow, I think that we're making progress. I'm hopeful.
0: So obviously you've had to deal with the stigma and also misconceptions about addiction. In the time that you have uh, had this deep and painful experience of addiction, do you think that uh, there has been a change in the understanding of addiction? There is a tiny little,
1: tiny little bit of progress, mm-hmm. but we have so, so, so far to go. Um, you know, at a time when we're losing 190 people a day in the states, um, it, last year it was 72,000 in the states, 190,000 people internationally, you know, we're spending hundreds of millions of dollars. I think the number in the U.S. is 600 billion dollars, and internationally, it's in the trillions mm-hmm. of dollars. Um, you know, what are we waiting for? Um, Mm-hmm. But still there is the stigma still people don't want to name it still you know there is this assumption Because it looks li- it does not you know addiction does not look like other diseases, b- because um, You know it looks like a choice looks like people are choosing to use drugs, and they don't care about anyone else They just want to be high, but nobody wants to be addicted um, this uh, this fantasy this illusion that people who are using drugs and that are you know, getting wasted all the time that they're doing it because it's fun. It is not fun. They're in pain. I'm sure you lived it. I'm sure you saw it every day.
2: Uh, and I know that, you know, with um, with Chris, he worked really hard on his sobriety. And the fact that one of the other issues were, when you say, how far have we come? I'm glad that you said it because I hate to be the one being so negative or feeling, you know, a lot of times people will be like, well, don't be so angry, don't be so negative. But the truth is that it's like baby steps in this realm of addiction and I don't think the same exists in the in the mental health space I think that it's um, it, it's improved vastly and somehow addiction stays out of the mental health space like they don't talk about it the same way mm-hmm. um, and so um, I just know that, that with Chris he worked hard in his sobriety and um, part of the of my outrage is that my husband should be here. And um, the fact that America, across uh, medical schools, only 8% of medical schools have any sort of mandatory curriculum on addiction. How is that possible when we are losing 192 people a day to overdoses alone? That doesn't oh wow. take into account all the other addiction related uh, deaths. And that to me is like, it's unconscionable, it seems unreal that that could actually um, be happening, especially in America, right? Um, where we're dealing with this, with the opioid epidemic. And I think that the conversation needs to change towards addiction and what do we do and how do we train our doctors? Because a doctor prescribed the wrong medication, prescribed and overprescribed. prescribed um, You would never put a recovering addict on uh, benzodiazepine. Um, and especially not, for so long and completely unmonitored. Um, so, And while I'm, I, of course, i am very angry, saddened, and hurt by this doctor who I trusted, the truth is that when you hear that only 8% of medical schools have any sort of required curriculum in 2019, it kind of feels like, okay, so he's not the only one. Yeah.
0: Would you agree with that? Is this something that you came across as well?
1: It was a nightmare. And sadly, it still is a nightmare Uh, at a time when I was completely desperate and out of my mind Trying to save my son's life, you know living with somebody who is Using and their use is escalating and it's sort of baffling. We don't understand it and it gets worse and it gets worse And it's terrifying uh, because we know that they can die any any day Um, We are thrown into this They call it a system. It's not a system. You know, I ended up sending my son to programs where they had him you know because he broke the rules i mean here's a teenager who is breaking rules well what teenager isn't going to break the rules uh because they, he didn't make his bed properly they had him in the bathroom with a toothbrush cleaning the, the grout and um that treatment for somebody who's sick one time they had him outside cutting <laughs> the grass with a pair of scissors in the freezing cold weather and another time they had him you know brushing a horse and maybe there is something to horse therapy or something like that but this is an illness it's a brain disease and that's not what people need it's not how we Uh, Treat this disease. A lot of people kept telling us and telling my son, telling Nick, um, you know, to go to 12 step groups. You know, they ended up helping him a lot. But with 12 step groups, um, he was supported. He felt that he was with people who understood, but he still never saw a doctor. And he needed to see a doctor who could have assessed what was going on and got him, the care, got him into the care of a professional, of somebody who knows how to treat addiction. In his case, it was methamphetamine addiction. Eventually, it was also meth and heroin. Uh, so he needed a whole variety of interventions. Then um, after all of this, they determined that so much of his drug use was related to the fact that he had bipolar disorder and depression. So he was trying to feel better. He was trying to feel normal, uh, and nobody got it. Mm-hmm. The system is a travesty, and it is killing people every day. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think that there's any piece of advice that you could give other families who have a family member who is who is suffering from this disease?
2: The first thing is never give up. Stop reading <laughs> all the stuff that's online yeah. <laughs> because you know it's um, that idea, that notion of like the literature has to change. Rock bottom. If addiction is a disease of the brain, right? Then why are we waiting for rock bottom? Would we wait for someone to develop stage four cancer before we intervene? Would we let them get to that point? We wouldn't. And so, um, or the other idea of a parent not intervening, not being there for their child because they're somehow being codependent or, you know, I, I don't really believe in that. I believe that this is a disease science has told us this is a disease and yet we continue to treat it like it is a moral flaw and then we're saying no but it's not a moral flaw we understand it's a disease but it's a choice well then it's not a disease Mm. so it's kind of like um i think that getting that that 12-step support i think that's great to have people to talk to as a support system But that's not real treatment that's not the science behind it Mm. and we need that you don't have diabetes and then go talk about it right like you do something more you get treatment for it and um, and I just think that that what I would say is um, is intervention is prevention and the only way that we're going to save lives prevent this from happening get that number down because it is just unbelievable it is uh, heartbreaking um is going to be by understanding this is a disease and putting it into mainstream medicine um and uh and yeah and i i always say this and i think it's wonderful about the 12-step program to have a support system but the secret societies the hush hush i think that just adds to the stigma and it keeps us from talking about it and um and that's that would be my
1: yeah i so i completely agree and i guess another incredibly sort of important issue that is completely tied to what you're saying and it's really important i think with the opportunity here to talk to people from the united nations which mean people from all over the world Um, okay again let's go back to this people who are addicted are sick they're ill they need intervention part of what makes people ill with this disease and there's a lot of research that backs this up is stress whatever the stress is in their lives, and it's sometimes it could come from people living in poverty. Sometimes it could come from people living in stressful environments, um, in affluent neighborhoods because of the pressure on people and kids. Uh, sometimes it can come from untreated mental illness. It can come from, um, you know, just myriad, myriad, myriad sources cause stress. Uh, and then, uh, when this disease escalates, uh, one of the things that often happens because this is a brain disease and people on ad- who are addicted can't think properly because it's their brain that is ill. So there is this connection sometimes with uh, addiction and criminality. Um, But if you don't, if if we need to understand that people who are addicted feel so bad about themselves already, they don't want to be addicted. uh, And the last thing we need to do is make their lives harder by putting them in the criminal justice system. Uh, It makes addiction worse. Uh, again, people who are sick, do we incarcerate them? do we put them away? Um, it is completely it's 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 criminal it is it's it's um, it's unconscionable and it makes the problem worse and it is so much worse for society because people who are not treated for their addiction, people who are incarcerated, whose problems get worse, uh, who are shamed, who are blamed um, they're going to continue to you know cause, uh, you know, lost productivity, uh, criminal justice costs, health care costs, strains on health care. I mean, it is, you know, expensive, but most of all, it's immoral, the way that we treat people and that the way that we arrest people who are sick.
0: So given all that, can you think of, say, one thing, one thing that would make a significant positive impact to this crisis? Uh,
1: One thing that would make... A, a difference, and I think that it will shift everything, is once we move this disease out of the category of choice, of stigma, of criminality, which I'll kind of go together, morals, you know, people are, are, are don't have willpower, whatever, and move it into um, to treat it for what it is, which is a health problem, and it's a health crisis. Everyone, you know, in some places... Drug use is treated under the departments of uh, you know, criminal justice. Uh, and you know, it should be under the departments that handle health problems in any country, including here.
2: We need to say, you know what, across the country, medical schools, it is required. There is a mandatory curriculum on addiction. Because when doctors, health care providers, nurses understand, they're better able to treat the disease. Um, and then it's not hidden away. I mean, I've heard some horrific stories of people who were in recovery and for years and were, for example, in recovery for heroin um, and were in a car accident. Mother just had a child was in a car accident, and they put her on morphine. Nobody asked. No one did anything. She was released from the hospital three days later. She went back. she used, She overdosed. She died. That mm. baby is now an orphan. And so I kind of feel like that is, again, that's, that just shows you the travesty because she did everything right. She was um, sober. She worked hard on that sobriety. And she went into the hospital after a car accident. No one asks the questions, no one knows. And also there's this other big um, issue that, that I have where, again, it's like we need to, to actually um, educate the public and educate doctors and again healthcare providers on this that I hear this all too often he was an addict like addiction is a lifelong chronic illness and it needs a lifelong plan with your doctor with your healthcare care provider um, with your family at least it's a start
0: you've been here at UNHQ all afternoon uh, what do you think an organization like the UN can and should do to help to alleviate this crisis?
1: Well, the first thing I think that uh, the United Nations is in the most, um, in some ways, enviable position, The most po- has the mm-hmm. most power to um, encourage a conversation that shifts the paradigm, shifts the way that we think about addiction. Um, no one should be arrested for being sick. And many, many places around the world, including parts of the United States, people are. Their only crime is that they have an illness. Um, I hear from people, somebody today actually at the UN told me that their son was arrested, uh, he had overdosed, he had heroin with him, and so once they revived him using Narcan, uh, he was put in, in jail. Now, how you know barbaric is that? So that is a huge piece of it, and so a lot of it is educating that this is a disease, it's a brain disease. There's, you know, there's an incontrovertible body of evidence that proves that. It's not about, it's, not, it's like climate change. I mean, it's real. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, the United Nations, I think you know, disseminating information, having conversations like we've had today, uh, following it up, you know it can't just be a one-day conversation, and I know that there are plans coming up in the future to continue this. Uh, and you know just a recognition, I guess also the fact is is that it's easy to put addiction aside uh, because there are so many other problems that we are dealing with, but once you sort of look closely and you realize that addiction is related to almost every other domestic problem that you can name. I mean, it is related to abuse, and it is related to um, criminality. It is related to economic issues. It is related to broken up families. And when there's an addiction in the family, the children are much more likely to have problems that include addiction, mental health problems, not to stay in school. I mean, so there is every reason in the world to put this at the very top of the list.
2: And I also think that the UN is in a very unique position because it can reach out to all these countries around the world, many of which are not ready to accept. They're not even close to accepting addiction as a disease even. But so um, I think that that's really important because whatever's happening here, and and we have some numbers, and we have statistics, that's not so true from other parts of the world. and. And even parts that, you know, we think, you know, countries like um, Sweden and Norway are very progressive. And I was saying how I received messages from psychiatrists um, from there who said to me, this is a travesty what you are doing, addiction. He was an addict. This was a choice. Um, He made the choice to do it. And that's really, again, for countries like that, that it just, and I also see that, I lived in Paris for, for 10 years and now we, we live in Rome, we spend part-time in Rome as well. And it used to be that in Europe, they were really careful about giving prescription medication, whether Valium, Benzo, whatever kind of Benzo, whatever kind of, um, especially, um, um, what do I call it again? Cupra.
1: Co- which drugs? The kind of
2: control? drugs that are they're controlled substances. So I'm oh. sorry, I blanked. controlled substances yeah. especially. But they were really careful about that and um, volume you couldn't ask for. And yet now you see a trend in Italy. It's like, oh, sure, you want some Lorazepam, Diazepam, like whatever, and the same thing in France. And so we're starting to see that prescription drug issue enter... European countries as well, which are sitting there saying, we don't have that problem. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's coming if it's not already there. And if you don't address it, Mm. you don't want to be like us.
1: Yeah, it's coming. I mean, look at We're the canary in the coal mine, Mm -hmm. I guess. Uh, I'd say one more thing as a message to people who are in positions to influence. There are some people that maybe will never feel this compassion that we want people to feel and that we believe everyone who's addicted and their families deserve. Need. But let's say you're just hardline, you know, dollars and cents. Um, there's so much research to show that for every dollar that we spend preventing addiction and treating addiction, we save $11 in future costs. And so it just makes sense in every, every, every way.